0: All right, can you guys hear me? Um, Let's just add some speakers here.
1: Okay, let's just get all the speakers on. I don't hear the. sound can you hear me
0: Can you guys hear me? Can everybody hear me?
1: Uh, yes. I Crypto can. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. All well, Sim
0: Fred, I'm going to invite you to co host. All good. Thanks. All uh, right, no, Freddy, you, you? co host. Guys, we are going to go live in two minutes. We're going to be doing live. We're going to be doing our regular stream live, um, talking about um, Powell, talking about the market dump, talking about GBDC, Grayscale. Uh, and then we are going to open up into a space. So we're kind of doing both spaces and YouTube at the same time, trying something new. We want to see if it works. We want to see if we can get a big audience like that. So do me a favor, share this with your friends. It's uh, obviously we, we're trying something that we haven't done before. So share it with your friends. Let's see, let's, let's see if it works and yeah, let, let's have some fun. We're going to be live in about 45 seconds. So 45 seconds, we're going live. Okay. We're going live. Forty-five seconds. In the meantime, we're just getting the speakers on. Yeah. Okay. Let's ready. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock. And roll. Let's let's get ready to rock and roll. <clears throat> Remember, if you are in the spaces and you want to see some of the charts that we're referring to, you can always just tune into the YouTube. Uh, Kaylin, if you could just pin the stream as a tweet to the YouTube so people can just see if they want to go join the YouTube um, where, where it is. All right, let's go. Let's put the thumbnail up.
2: Two one. Let's go
0: carry live. Yesterday when we were live, as we started the live stream, I did tell you that I think Bitcoin was gonna break down below this triangle, this ascending triangle that was forming on the charts. While we were live. We did break down, and it seems like this breakdown is continuing right now as we look at Bitcoin. Price is 21995 but that's not where the action's happening. Actually, the action is happening with altcoins. And the worst thing is that the same reason why we went down yesterday, which was Powell, well, he's speaking again today. So we're going to be monitoring what Powell is speaking about today, and maybe, or hopefully, it's not going to be a continuation of what happened yesterday. We're also going to be looking at why this market may dump further, and I'm going to show you how all of a sudden, I think there are going to be a whole lot of um, Bitcoin hitting the market, a whole lot of Bitcoin that we didn't actually anticipate hitting the market, now hitting the market. And no, I'm not talking about the Mt. Gox Bitcoin that everyone's talking about. There's a new batch of Bitcoin that's about to hit the market, believe it or not. So, lots to talk about today. Um, and some of it's actually bullish. So if you're not out of bed yet, get out of bed. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch. Go. Get up, get up,
3: get up, to wake up, bitch, kid uh. get
0: up, get, up. get
3: up. Got. 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 Got.
0: Know. a lot of people are saying they can't see me on youtube can you see me on youtube yes or no can you see me am i live on youtube for those of watching on youtube can you see me? i'm on camera no problem right yes i'm on youtube all right amazing so welcome back guys Um, I don't know why some people couldn't see me on YouTube, but here I am. I'm bringing you crypto love and I'm bringing you crypto wisdom. We do have a big show today. We're going to talk about the charts. Let's look at the charts now. Bitcoin, 21,987. And this dump may actually continue further. I'm going to show you a whole lot of reasons why this dump may actually continue further. And it's not only because Powell is talking today. Yes, Powell is talking today, but it's not only because Powell's talking today. This dump may actually continue for a whole lot of other reasons, including a whole lot of Bitcoin, which are coming on the market, which we weren't expecting for them to come on the market and now these bitcoin are starting to 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 move around but we need to talk about that we're also going to talk about grayscale and the big victory that grayscale scored yesterday and what that means and also we're going to be talking about some other losses that the sec is taking then we're going to talk about one or two altcoins that are actually backing this trend so got a big 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 show today listen what you need to do you need to subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed and you need to um you need to also like this content help us get out there help us get unshadow banned. tell me that you're here tell me that you're present I see Paul Averill. are you present present Joseph are you here Irishman present. are you present uh, Jimmy are you here present Present? present. amazing um Freddie are you here present. all right um, uh, uh, um, uh, who else is here who else is here do we have uh, do we have Tim here Tim are you present present <laughs> Does anyone know, who, uh, do you know does anyone know why Tin is on the show? Does anyone have any idea why Tin is here? Tin, where are you from?
4: Uh, Croatia.
5: So Currently tin, in Singapore. So
0: Tin is from Croatia. What are you doing on my show? Why are you present?
5: I got a present.
0: <laughs> He's present because he got a present. Do you know why Tin is present because he got a present? Because you see this Rolex, the blue one, the blue face with a gold strap tin you won this rolex you claim <laughs> the lucky buy account number you won the rolex my friend
5: how do you feel
4: thank you very much i feel amazing <laughs> and it's my birthday soon in like 20 days so. <laughs> so tell
0: me like just tell me I how did you fi- how did you find out when did you find out that you won the rolex how did this just play it for me how this whole thing worked out
4: uh i f- I I was watching your show and you you said that you dropped the numbers on Discord and I usually follow the Discord and I I looked at it and I saw my number. I didn't quite believe it, so I rechecked and then I rechecked again and then I sent an email and it
0: was quite amazing. Well, listen, listen, listen. First of all, much love. Thank you for being in our Discord. Thank you for being a, a banter man. And um, we'll, we'll, obviously our team has been speaking to you. We verified your details. And now we will speak to you about how we can send, send the Rolex to you. And, uh, yeah, that's, I think it will be amazing. So thanks, thanks a lot for being part of the fam.
4: Awesome. Awesome! Awesome! Thanks for being. Thanks for being here. <laughs>
0: amazing! T- t- thank you, everybody. You- Listen, it's so amazing. So one one Rolex is gone. The Bitget Rolex is not yet gone. So this one we're going to give away today. I'm going to show you how we're going to give it away. If you have an account on Bitget, you could win the Rolex. Anyway, I'm over my overdue my time because remember I've got like a. Uh, a time thing where I'm not, I've got to start giving you alpha within five minutes. Now it's five minutes and 55 seconds. Haven't given you any alpha yet about to give you the first bit of alpha. So if you want the alpha, you want the alpha? sir. <coughs> Ray, raise your present. He wants the alpha. All right, let's go. Let's talk about, about Bitcoin and the prices. So this is where we're at. 21,965. I'll, as, as we were speaking yesterday, I told you that I thought Bitcoin would break down. Some people were laughing at my technical analysis. They kind of said, look, what kind of technical analysis is this? Why why this isn't even a chart? Those aren't even triangles. And it looks like I was right, unfortunately. And the price of Bitcoin went down. And it started going down when we were on the show and Powell started his live stream with, uh, with his testimony. And when Powell started testifying in front of Congress yesterday. That is when the price of Bitcoin started going down. In fact, it happened even before Powell started speaking in anticipation of Powell's speech. Now, the truth is that he didn't say anything we we didn't know, but the market took what he said as pretty hawkish, like pretty, pretty, pretty hawkish. And so that got Bitcoin coming down. We also had the S&P. If you look at the S&P chart over here, so you can see that the S&P also went down. It broke below this trend line that we've been watching. We've been watching this trend line for quite a while. And um, then, but you can see that despite the fact that it broke below this upward trend line, we are following the the major trend. And the truth is that if you look at both Bitcoin and the S&P, both of them are still above the the major trend. You see, both of them are still above the the major trend line over here. So that's, what, what's going on with Bitcoin and the S&P. The other chart that I'm watching is I'm watching the Dixie. So the Dixie, I was hoping that it would break down below this little trend line over here. And it, when Powell started speaking yesterday, it went way back above that. So today, hopefully we'll tune in and we'll listen to Powell speaking again. Hopefully he doesn't crash the markets again. I don't know what possibly he could say that he hasn't already said, but we'll, we'll talk about it. We will talk about it. What I am seeing right now and it makes me quite happy, is two things. So I'm seeing a lot of fat on the markets. I don't know anyone that's calling the markets up. Everybody that I speak to is calling the markets down. Everybody's calling for a nuke of the market. I'm hearing the 12K Bitcoin people um, coming down again. The way I see it is, for as long as Bitcoin remains in an upward trend, and it's quite clear that Bitcoin is in an upward trend. If you zoom out, and I'm looking at it on the four-hour chart here, but it's the same chart if you look at the daily but I think just for 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 simplicity, let's look at the four hour chart you've got You've got a starting point here you've got a higher high a higher low over here, and you've got a higher low over here, as you can see so for me now I'm still seeing that this is a as an uptrend. I will change my viewpoint if we break below the twenty one thousand three hundred and fifty seven level because that would mean that we're printing a lower high, not a higher high. But until then I'm still optimistic that this is a temporary correction and and that we we will continue this uptrend as I said I changed my thesis here twenty one thousand three hundred and fifty seven if we break below twenty one thousand three hundred and fifty seven then I'm going to start questioning my thesis because that would mean that we've printed a a, a different uh, uh, um, a different chart pattern so that is um, essentially what I'm looking at and um I think for those of you who, who follow that trend, just let me know in the, in the comments below. Let me know if you, if you agree with, with, with our analysis. Before we talk about Powell and before we talk about how Powell destroyed the markets yesterday, I do want to play you guys this. Um, for those of you who are crypto traders, specifically if you're full-time crypto traders, do you know the difference between a pizza and a crypto trader? Do you guys know the difference? Do you know the difference between a pizza and a crypto trader? Come on. Who knows the difference between a pizza and a crypto trader?
5: Hey, Hodler, why are you crying?
6: I bought Matic and it went to zero.
2: Do you know the difference between crypto investor and a pizza? What? Pizza can feed a family.
0: Hey, Hodler. (laughs) Pizza can feed a family crypto investor can't feed a family all right let's talk about Powell. it's a little bit more serious um, let's talk about Powell and why Powell crashed the market yesterday what was it I mean here we were in the um, watching the Powell live stream and as we said that the dollar index went crazy you saw that the dollar index was the one that that bounced first Bitcoin broke through the that the the triangle then you had uh, the SP 500. Bounce off the trend line, but bounce below the, 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 the shorter term trend line. And I guess the question is why. So I looked at a couple of things that Powell said yesterday. Let's just listen to a few things that he said. By no means is this, um, is this uh, uh, um, all, all of it because he was on for two hours and 21 minutes. But let's just listen to this.
7: I'll review the current economic situation before turning to monetary policy. The data from January on employment consumer spending, manufacturing production, and inflation have partly reversed the softening trends that we'd seen in the data just a month ago. Some of this reversal likely reflects the unseasonably warm weather in January in much of the country. Still, the breadth of the reversal, along with revisions to the previous quarter, suggests that inflationary pressures are running higher than expected at the time of our previous FOMC meeting. From a broader perspective, inflation has moderated somewhat since.
0: Awesome. Okay. Okay, so that's what he spoke about. He spoke about inflation not being as, um, coming down as much as they wanted in, in, in the previous meeting. He then also spoke again, and he said this, listen.
7: Back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. As I mentioned, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. If a totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes.
0: So interest rates are going to be higher than we previously anticipated, and then he said if they need to tighten more than they are tightening, that is the key point. That's the part that that really, really, really spooked the market, and that's why when we started the press conf- the uh, the testimony with Powell yesterday, the probability of a twenty five basis point rate hike was seventy five percent, and it was twenty five percent basis point rate twenty five percent probability of a fifty Basis point rate hike. As he was talking, we were watching this in real time, right here on Crypto We're watching this in real time, and now as we stand, there's almost an eighty percent chance of a fifty basis point rate hike coming up now at the at the FOMC meeting on the twenty second of March. But it's not over yet. It's not over yet, and I'll tell you why it's not over yet. Because between now and the twenty second of March, when we have the rate hike, the FOMC meeting, we do have the inflation numbers. We do have the CPI inflation numbers. And those are probably one of the most important data points that are coming out because what you can see is if you look at the the last inflation, we went from 9.1 to 8.5 then went to 8.3, 8.2, 7.7, 7.1, 6.5. And in January, the inflation, the CPI inflation data was 6.4. If we get a lower inflation number than 6.4, if we get closer to six, then this could actually change. So we do have one, saving data point that may change everything here. Right now, it looks like this. And I, I do believe we're going to get a 50 basis point rate. I have been saying it for a while, but there is one thing that can save us. And that is a, um, the inflation numbers which come out on the 14th. We will be live with you when those inflation numbers come out. We will, we, will be, we will be watching. We'll be showing you guys exactly what it looked like. I have been saying for a while that I think it, there's going to be a 50 basis point rate hike. This is a chart that shows how the market started to price in the probability of a 50 basis point rate hike. And you can see that it went up from 0%, went to 3.3% to 9.24%. And then yesterday, it shot up from 31.38% to 66.1%, which shows the market is quite clearly pricing in right now, pricing in a, um, a rate hike of, um, of 50 basis points. And the problem with that is, that it is now becoming much more viable, much more exciting, much more interesting to not invest in the stock market and to just invest your money into cash. Because if you look at the T-Bills, if you look at what government T-Bills are starting to yield, they yield about six oh, 5.1%, which means that investors are going, hold on a second. If I can invest in cash and get 5.1%, why should I take stock market risk? So if you look at the, at the T-Bill breakdown, and you, look at, um, and you look at at, where, at where, where we are today, you can see that on a six-month T-bill, you can get 5.32%. On a one-year T-bill, if you buy a one-year government debt, you can get 5.22%. What's interesting also is that the yield curve is completely inverted because if you loan money out for one year to the government, you get 5.22%. But if you loan money out to the government for 10 years, you get 3.97%. So who in their right mind would loan money to the government for 10 years when you can just loan, out, loan money to government for one year. That's what you call an inverted rate curve, and that's really where we are today. So we are going to catch Powell live speaking today on the show. We will be here. We will be speaking. We will catch Powell speaking live. Um, um, hopefully, he doesn't crash the markets. Uh, but I do want to talk about a whole lot of other things before we get there, before we get there. The truth is, though, if – you're worried about inflation, and that's really what this whole thing is about. This whole thing is about inflation. This whole thing is about whether or not the Fed has inflation under control. The Fed seemed to have inflation under control, but then all of a sudden we realize, hold on, the Fed doesn't really have inflation out of control. The truth is, though, that if you are worried about inflation, isn't that really why Bitcoin was created? Isn't that why we have Bitcoin? Bitcoin is supposed to be the ultimate inflation agent. I'm not the only one who's seeing it. I, I saw this which was published originally by Bitcoin Magazine, but Duo 9 reiterated it. He said, Europe's biggest asset management, uh, asset manager, which is a, a $2 trillion company called Amundi, they say, if inflation remains above target, Bitcoin's limited supply may actually start to attract more attention. So they really get it. They're saying, look, if we can't get inflation under control, then maybe this whole thing that Bitcoin that everyone was talking about, maybe, maybe this whole thing actually does become much more attractive, right? So so uh, that is something that is something that, that, that people will maybe start noticing. Remember that inflation can run out of control. Right now in the ECB, inflation is out of control. In the States, if they can't get inflation under control, they can't just keep increasing interest rates because the States has debt repayments that they need to make. They may slow down the economy a whole lot. They may put too many people out of business. And in fact, speaking of putting people out of business, Powell yesterday had to... Take the brunt of Elizabeth Warren. So just listen to what this poor guy went through yesterday. First time in my life, I think I agree with Elizabeth Warren.
7: We are taking the, the only measures we have to bring inflation down.
0: And putting 2 million people out of work is
8: just part of the cost, and they just have to bear it?
7: Well, they, will, will working people be better off if, if we just walk away from our jobs and, and inflation remains well, 5 6%?
8: Let me ask you about what happens if you do this. Since the end of World War II, there have been 12 times in which the unemployment rate has increased by one percentage point within one year, exactly what you're aiming to do right now. How many of those times did the U.S. economy avoid falling into a recession?
7: you know it's it's not as black and white as it very Just very looking at the numbers it actually yeah, no, is no, pretty no. black. Alan Blinder's written a book on this and There's been
8: 12 times that we've seen a 1 point increase in the in the unemployment rate in a year that's exactly what your Fed report has put out as the projection and the plan based on how you're going to keep raising these interest rates how many times did the economy fail to fall into a recession after doing that, out of 12 times.
7: I think the number is zero.
8: I think the number is zero.
0: That's exactly right. She was was climbing into Powell saying, look, you know, you're going to put this this economy in a recession. And she wasn't the only one. A lot of other senators that spoke yesterday said, well, what you're basically saying is you're going to put people out of work until such time as you can get inflation under control. And Powell's argument was, look, I'm balancing trying to, put people out of work, but I'm also trying to balance an inflation problem, which is bad for everyone. And that's really what what, what he's trying to balance here. So listen, Powell not having a great week. Market's not having a great week. Um, You know who else is not having a great week? I'll tell you who else is not having a great week. The SEC is not having a great week. Not this week. Tell you why. So it's Wednesday. And already the SEC have taken three critical big Knox against crypto the first one is you know we spoke about voyager and we spoke about the fact that the sec tried to block the binance rescue or buyout of voyager and the the reason why the sec blocked the the or tried to block the buyout of voyager wasn't because of protecting investors wasn't because it thought investors were getting a bad deal It all revolved around the Voyager token. That's it. The whole thing revolved around this VGX token. And so if you read the article, I mean, I've done a lot of research into this, but the whole SEC argument, it says here, the transaction under the deal, the transaction in crypto assets necessary to effectuate the rebalancing, the redistribution of SaaS assets to account holders may violate the prohibition in Section 5 of the Securities Act of 1933 – against the unregistered offer sale or delivery after sale of securities filing by the SEC citing, in particular, the Voyager token. So the SEC's thinking was, instead of letting these customers, and I think, how many customers are there? About a million customers? How many customers does Voyager have? I think it's about a million customers. Instead of letting these million customers be able to to, to get their assets back, the SEC decided to lean on one thing, which is the fact that Voyager has a token. And thank heavens, as I said before, the SEC tech investors, the SEC tried to block the binance rescue of Voyager. Now the thing about the rescue the binance rescue of Voyager is that investors in this in Voyager would get about seventy three percent of their money back, so they wouldn't get a hundred percent of their money back, but I think Given the fact that 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 Voyager has gone down and and it's not a great situation, I think getting 73 percent of your capital back is actually a huge, um, a a huge victory. And so yesterday, what the judge said is the judge said, look, you you really have no grounds to block this. And Binance said, you know, we are pleased that the bankruptcy court of uh, in the Southern District of New York agrees with 97 percent of Voyager customers who voted that our plan provides the best path forward for Voyager users to retake control of the assets. So that is, um, that, 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 that came out yesterday. I mean, the judge was quite vocal in, 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 bringing, in, bringing this, uh, um, to Voyager. Now you can see the Voyager token, the VGX tokens up 15.67% today, while the rest of the market's actually going down. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about, um, a whole lot of other tokens, which are actually going up despite the market actually going down. Um, this John E. Deaton guy he says Voyager is another example of a federal judge deciding that the SEC's arguments are 100% without merit, and the same thing happened. He said the recent, uh, in, in other recent examples, the Ripple case, the federal judge in a written ruling literally stated that it, that SEC lawyers were being hypocrites and that they were that they lacked faithful allegiance to the law. So we're seeing a trend here. We're seeing a trend that if companies are strong enough to take on the SEC. If they don't get bullied into submission by the SEC, they are actually taking, the SEC is actually taking real body shots. Like Voyager, egg all over their face, that deal is not going to proceed. Also, the SEC suffered a big setback um, with the Ripple case. This is from Stuart, Stuart, who's, who's, who's the chief legal officer at Ripple. And he says, yesterday's opinion from the court on Ripple and the SEC's proposed expert opinions, you don't have to read all 57 pages. He summarized it. He said, specifically, not only is the SEC's expert on reasonable expectations of an XRP purchaser struck from the record. So they were going to bring in an expert to say, um, to say, look, um, we want to show you what the reasonable expectations of an SEC, of, an, of a retail purchaser is. Well, he was struck off the record. On the flip side, our experts explained that how Ripple's contracts clearly differ from those and how we tax treatment. Of XRP, which makes them not a security, and currency experts on XRP, not as a security, are allowed to stay in. As we have said throughout, we have always felt confident in our case, and with each ruling, it's getting even—they're getting even better. So, again, another big knock for the SEC. So, Voyager, big knock for the SEC. Ripple—it's not looking good for the SEC, but by far, by far, and, and again, what happens? Well, you see the Voyager token moving up in a down market. Ripple or XRP. Also moving down, uh, moving up in a down market, and you can see that that's actually just broken through that little trend line over there. So let's keep watching XRP. Maybe, maybe something's going to happen in XRP. So that was the second knock. Steve is late for class again. It's the second time Steve's been late for class. Steve, this is your last. Uh, someone says Rand looks frozen. Is I am on the cable. I am. On, I am on the cable. Is is there something wrong with my internet? I'm going to jump off and if someone jump on, let me jump off and jump on again and see if I can get this right. So if anyone just wants to jump on, let me, let me just jump off. And that's also what it's, it's a, it's a streamer, thing. Let's try, let's try jump on again. Okay. I should be back. Should I should be, be back. back. Should be back. Okay, James, okay. James, Jimmy, you can jump Jimmy, off now. Jump we don't need you anymore. All right. Let's see. Is that better? Am I still? Is it better now? 100%. Yeah, okay, so it just, it just meant jumping on and jumping off. Okay. People are complaining in the chat that my camera wasn't looking so good. All right. Um, where were we? Okay. So that's the second lock, knock that the SEC took. By far, the biggest battle that the SEC, the biggest embarrassment that that the SEC faced yesterday. Got, I'm actually going to play this for you because there's a lot that I actually want to play for you. Yeah? Um Hold on a second. You guys have got to hear this. So yesterday, the SEC went to oral arguments in the Grayscale GBTC um, argument against the SEC. I don't know if you know what that's about, but essentially you've got Grayscale Trust, which they want to convert Grayscale Trust into an ETF. Grayscale Trust is a trust that holds Bitcoin. It is run by a company called Grayscale, and they want to convert that into an ETF. But the SEC is constantly knocking down any attempt to create a Bitcoin spot ETF, well, at the same time they are open to a Bitcoin futures ETF. Okay, so that's that's what 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 um, what they went to court about yesterday. So it was a great day for Grayscale, and uh, you know, every time I listen to it, I've listened to this multiple times. I think to myself, "Wow, Grayscale really, really, really had a great day." So this is how it started. I want you, I want to take you, I want to walk you through some of the the things that happened. Um, and then we'll discuss the case as it goes along. So let's start off in the beginning. I think it's important that you hear this. So let me go to the Good
9: morning and may it please the court. I'm Don Verrilli for Petitioner of Grace Dale. This appeal challenges an SEC order disapproving an exchange's request to list an exchange-traded product that holds Bitcoin as its underlying asset. The fundamental problem, with the order is that it contradicts previous SEC orders giving green light to Bitcoin futures ETPs that pose the same risk of fraud and manipulation and have in place the same CME surveillance mechanism to protect against those risks, as the spot Bitcoin
0: ETP that the SEC disapproved here. That is the definition of arbitrary decision-making. So he's saying, he started off by saying the definition of arbit- arbitrary decision-making is when the SEC approves a Bitcoin futures ETF, but won't approve a Bitcoin spot ETF. and That's really what their whole argument was about. Now, what the SEC, what the, what Graysdale were arguing is, what's the difference between a Bitcoin spot ETF and a Bitcoin futures ETF? If you can a- approve a Bitcoin futures ETF... Why can't you approve a Bitcoin spot ETF? So I, want, I want you to hear some more parts of the, of the case. So let, let's quickly go in here. And let's go here. Uh, 302. I'm going to just take it a little bit forward.
9: ...in the 2 order, and it stands to reason. Bitcoin futures are derivatives of Bitcoin itself, and the undisputed record evidence shows that 99.9% of the time Price of Bitcoin futures and Bitcoin spot market, uh, <coughs> Bitcoin spot market correlate. Um, and what the, what the SEC also found um, in the futures orders is that the existence of the surveillance sharing agreement would suffice to protect against fraud and manipulation of the spot market as well as of unregulated other unregulated futures markets. And the reason for that is because the SEC concluded that. Manipulation of the spot market or manipulation of the other unregulated futures markets would show up in the price in the regulated futures market.
7: So how do we know that the
10: Teukrium order in making the statements that you just paraphrased was specifically talking about manipulation of the spot market
4: as opposed to manipulation of unregulated futures markets? So no, that's the, the judge's
0: argument. The judge was saying, look, how, how do you know that there's manipulation in the spot market, not in the futures market? How do you even draw the conclusion that that happens? And that's what the grayscale argument hinged on. Okay, so I want to take you towards the end. So I want to take you towards the end of this. And I want you to hear what the judge says and, and the argument that the judge actually brings on the SEC.
11: Reasonably distinguished the prior
0: approval of different products. This is the SEC lawyer speaking.
11: And was faced faithful to the statutory scheme that Congress enacted in Section 19, which says that the Commission shall disapprove SRO rule proposals where the Commission cannot make a finding of consistency with the Exchange Act. And uh, I want to get right to the point about why it was reasonable for the Commission to treat different cases differently here. It is undisputed that the spot markets in which the assets underlying petitioners' products trade are fragmented and unregulated in contrast to the situation of the approved futures products where the underlying assets trade only on a CME which is regulated by the CFTC and where the exchange has a surveillance sharing agreement that gives it access to information like market trading activity
0: so what this what the SEC are arguing here that what they were arguing is they were arguing that well if because the SEC has a surveillance agreement with the CME and the CFTC they can surveil the the movements in the market price of the futures but they can't do that with exchanges this is where the judge actually jumps in
11: customer identification the tools to investigate a fraud manipulation order of are referring i i understand that the judge. those distinctions that the commission is drawn but it seems to me that that what the commission really needs to explain is how it understands the relationship between bitcoin futures and the spot price right. of bitcoin because it seems to me that these things, I mean, you know, one is just essentially a derivative of the other. They move together in 99.9% of the time. So where's the gap in the Commission's view? So, Your Honor, what the Commission said in its work is that the relationship between the spot and the futures, in as to the relevant question that matters here, which is, does fraud manipulation in the spot market affect the CME futures market in the same way? That is an empirical question for which petitioner bears the burden that they did not
0: show that. And- so what I said, Judge says, he said, look, can you, can, how can you prove to me that the, how can you say that the price of Bitcoin spot and the price of Bitcoin futures is, is uncorrelated? When it's correlated 99% of the time, 99% of the time they move exactly the same. And this is what the whole case has actually become about. And it seems that the market is starting to price in the fact that we may get an ETF soon. Because yesterday when we started this case, we had the Grayscale discount at about minus 46%. And then when it closed, it's actually now at about minus 32%. So I'm not tracking it live. I'm tracking it on yesterday's close. But the Grayscale, the discount has now gone to 32%. Now we've been telling you for a while that we think it's a great trade to buy the GBTC because when it went down to minus 48%, we said, look, eventually it's going to go to zero because if this thing is converted into an ETF, it is actually going to go to zero. Now the big question. So it's a great victory if Grayscale win this because then we're going to get an ETF, right? We're going to get a Bitcoin spot ETF. But also, we're going to have the biggest holder of Bitcoin on the market, which currently holds about, let's quickly just look at the numbers here. They, own, they hold 629,000 Bitcoin, which is about $13 billion worth of Bitcoin. And those Bitcoin are currently locked. You can't sell them. You, you can't sell them. You, you cannot withdraw those Bitcoin. You cannot redeem your shares in the trust for those Bitcoin. The minute that this becomes an ETF, then two things happen. One, this gap closes, which means that all these people that are underwater by 40% to the market price, 35% to the market price, all of a sudden go back to the regular market price. In other words, they no longer at this huge loss. The second thing is that these 629,000 Bitcoin become unlocked and become available to hit the market. And so in the short term, what you're going to get is you're going to get a whole lot of selling pressure on Bitcoin, which we didn't actually anticipate. Yes, of course, in the long term, it's amazing because once the SEC approves one ETF product, they're going to have to start approving a whole lot of other ETF products. Otherwise, they're going to be in court a hell of a lot more than than they have been today. But in the short term, we may get some more selling. So that means we're going to get Mt. Gox selling. We're going to get GBTC potential selling, and then we might get some other selling. In fact, the other selling that we may get could actually come from the most unlikely seller in, in the world. In fact, maybe not even the most unlikely seller in the world, but the most unlikely holder of Bitcoin in the world, and that is the US government. So the reason why I say that is because if you look at the US government, The U.S. government is actually the third largest holder of Bitcoin in the world. The first largest holder of Bitcoin is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. The second largest holder in the world is MicroStrategy. And the third largest holder of Bitcoin in the world today is the U.S. government. What we saw yesterday was we saw that the U.S. government started to move a whole lot of Bitcoin around. Now, they moved around about 40,000 Bitcoin, which they have from the Bitcoin that they seized off Silk Road. So for those of you who haven't uh, have have haven't been around for a long time, don't know what Silk Road is. Silk Road was a website which was run on the, on the dark web. And Silk Road, you used to be able to transact on Bitcoin on Silk Road to order drugs, to even order assassinations. It was a crazy, was, you could basically buy anything underground on Silk Road. Um, the founder of Silk Road, Ross Ulbricht, is currently in jail. He's serving, I think, a life sentence or multiple life sentences in jail. But the, when the US government shut down Silk Road, they seized a whole lot of Bitcoin, and yesterday they moved around forty thousand Bitcoin from one wallet, and some of those actually landed up on coinbase. In fact, nine thousand eight hundred and sixty one of those actually landed up on Coinbase, so we may also get the u s government starting to sell off more bitcoin they may they may sell off the full forty thousand for now. They've sent nine thousand nine thousand eight hundred sixty-one of those Bitcoin to Coinbase, which means two hundred million dollars of additional sell pressure. And so maybe there was another thing, another thing that actually started to hit the price because we have another seller of Bitcoin. This time, it's not uh, it's not Grayscale and it's not Mt. Gox and it's not the institutions, but it's actually the U.S. government starting to sell off some of their Bitcoin um, that they've got. In this case, from um, from Silk Road. Going back to to the SEC thing. Going back to the SEC thing, um, it does feel like the SEC aren't good in court. They're good at bullying people. And you can see that, you know, they've got a whole lot of cases open against crypto companies. Here's a list of of the cases that they've got against crypto companies at the moment. You've got, you know, SEC versus Sing. You've got a whole lot of these of these cases. They're really busy against crypto companies. But if any of these companies actually stand up to the SEC, what we're starting to see is that that every time they do they we actually start be, we actually start beating the sec we, i mean it, it, it is it is what it is um yeah so maybe the lesson is that more companies should take on the sec more companies should take on the sec we have been also speaking about silvergate and you know how important silvergate is for getting money onto crypto into crypto um specifically because of what they call the silvergate exchange network or Sin. now Silvergate—the shares of Silvergate have gone down hugely. In fact, let's quickly just check the share price of Silvergate: four dollars and sixty-eight cents. Which means that I mean it's that it's come down a lot. In fact, let's look at this chart. You'll see it here. It does look like the whole market is red, but let's look at Silvergate. Silvergate's gone from a high of about two hundred thirty-seven dollars, now trading at four dollars. So That's ninety-eight percent down. um Ninety-eight percent down. But there is a chance. I have been reading articles that they are in talks with officials to try and salvage the bank and they are looking for more capital and stuff like that. So look, for those of you who are real degen and are looking for real risk, like crazy motherfucker risk, you may want to take a nibble at this. I don't know. you got to be, you got to be serious, serious, serious risk degen. This is not for everyone. you got to put on real big boy pants. You're probably going to lose all your money. But if you don't, you may actually make some money. Um, yeah um, let's talk about some other tokens that have backed the trend we talked about Voyager which backed the trend going up against in a down market we've got uh, XRP going up because of the the court case another one which is going up which we have been speaking about quite a bit we always said it's not going to win the uh, popularity contest but we did think that it would continue to go up and we have been telling you guys to buy it since about $1.55 is uh, CoinFlix it's slid at 181. And that's because, as we said yesterday, the Seychelles bank approved Coinflex's restructuring plan. Um, and what it is, it's it's the exchange that Carl Davies and Suzu are launching. Now, one of the things that you will be able to do on this exchange is you will be able to trade your claims against FTX, Genesis, Celsius, Blockfire, Voyager, Three Arrows Capital. If you've got an ex- a claim against any of these, if you're one of the people that has a claim, you'll be able to trade these. And what they're saying here is, look, there's about twenty billion dollars of claims here. We should actually make them tradable on exchange. So you'll be able to go on the exchange, trade your claim, and actually use that as collateral to start trading futures and derivatives in the exchange. And the token, the Coinflex token, represents about twenty a twenty percent buyback mechanism on those on those um, on those claims. So uh, on on trading fees. So. That's that's something that that may be worth looking out for. Um, is there anything else that is urgent for today? I did see this this announcement here by Injective saying today is the day a new tomorrow is a day a new world a new beginning and it looks like they're teaming up with Astroport possibly. There's a there's a picture of Astroport and Injective. Um, there's also a bill that's being introduced. It's called Keep Innovation in America and it seeks to make the U.S., a leading nation in Bitcoin. I, I mean, given all the negativity that's going on in crypto at the moment, um, it is quite a big thing. And then lastly, I read this article that said that Binance's spot market share increased from 59.4 to 61.8 in February. So it's, it's growing in market share. Um, yeah, it's it, Binance is growing in market share. Um, and remember, we spoke yesterday about, you know, if you're worried about Binance, if you're worried about the solvency of the exchange, well, maybe the right trade is to take to start buying some other exchange tokens because if something does happen to Binance well then the other exchanges will have to absorb all the volume and then the, 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 the exchange tokens will do well so yeah let, let's keep watching that people are saying are oh, we going live with Powell? let's let's is Powell live where is Powell live let's quickly check it out let's have a look let me know if you think that this US government is going to start selling the coins uh, let's see scheduled for now it should, it's, come on guys it should start now we're going to be we're going to cross over to Powell live
11: it just looks great
0: bro hold on let's try and find a, a, a stream of Powell streaming live Powell you're late bro we're all waiting for Powell nothing's nothing's happening yet he's not live yet someone says if 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 something happens to Binance it's all over I don't think you're right I think it, you're, it's all over for a while. It's not all over forever. It's it's all over for a while. Let's see. Let's see what's happening here with Powell. I don't see him live yet. I don't think he's live yet. Hmm. He's not live yet. Should we give him another minute? Let's do some Q&A for another one or two minutes and while we watch. Where to watch the stream? I am watching it here. It, there's a CNBC live here. Um, I hope Paul the there. By the way, um, in fact, let's do this right now. So we have to give away the BitGet Rolex. So here's how it works. I'm going to publish a whole lot of... Um, uh, I'm going I'm to publish 10 addresses. BitGet UID sorry not, not addresses BitGet UIDs if you are one of those 10 if you're the first one of 10 and you send your um, an email to giveaways a saying that you are one of the 10 you have to send the email from the same address that is linked to your exchange account that is how how we uh, verify the addresses so it's got to be from the same address that your BitGet account is from so here are the addresses I'm quickly going to give them to you uh Here they are. Let's quickly go here. And you can see them. So, these have been randomly selected. If you are uh, any of these account numbers, you can read them on here. We're also going to drop them in our Discord. If you are any of these account numbers and you're the first person to email us from giveaways at at cryptobanter.com from the email link to your Bybit account, to your BitGet account, you win you you win the you 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 will be the the winner of the rolex and we'll get you on the show tomorrow just to prove it here the the stuff here i'm going to mail it to josh and josh can put up in the discord in a few minutes let's see if Powell is talking he's not talking yet maybe we'll give him one more minute um by the way by the way while we're waiting so you know we are sponsored one of our sponsors is tap global now tap global is an amazing app which is actually an on-ramp and off-ramp app for crypto because you can actually use it to to put money on the crypto ecosystem. They also have an amazing card. Now, up until now, they haven't been available in the US. They are coming to the US soon. So if you are in the US, there is a link below. Go to the link below and join the US um, waiting list. And If you do join the US waiting list, well, then you get
12: between uh, between- Objection. All members will have five legislative days with their extraneous yeah. materials to the chair for inclusion in the record. And I'll note at the outset.
0: So if you do go to Tap Global and you do sign up onto their waiting list, if you do that, you will get between zero to a hundred dollars in Bitcoin as a bonus. Um, they are a very regulated platform. They're regulated in multiple jurisdictions. I think in like, they're available in like 47 countries. They also do have a Mastercard. So really, these are the good guys. These are really the good guys. So if you want to sign up, if you're part of the US, just go and have a look. Uh, It's tap global. All right, let's listen to Powell for a few minutes.
12: And that is to restore price stability. This is positive. But, you know, as well as I do, you're facing a very strong headwind from the political left. Democrats are pressuring the Fed to stray from its narrow mandate without uh, it's a page out of their same old progressive playbook. When they don't have the votes to achieve something here in Congress, they turn to regulators. And now, Chair Powell, they're looking at you and the Federal Reserve. President Biden's cowtowing to the far left is what got us into this inflationary mess. I urge you to reject the ideologues who put their social agenda ahead of economic prosperity. High prices continue to eat away at workers' wages and retirees' incomes. Since President Biden took office, we've experienced inflation at rates not seen uh, since the late 70s and early 80s. Inflation uh, rapidly accelerated after Democrats passed their so-called American Rescue Plan, which poured nearly $2 trillion of inflationary fuel into the economy. By June of last year, the Consumer Price Index showed inflation skyrocketed from below 2% to nearly 9%. And personal uh, consumption expenditures, the Fed's preferred measure of consumer prices, ballooned to 7%. Instead of being rescued by uh, Democrats, Americans were punished with pain at the grocery store and sticker shock at the pump. While inflation is now now below its mid-2022 peak, it is uh, persisting at rates well above the Fed's target. It remains broad-based and continues to hammer Americans' pocketbooks. In fact, a recent Gallup poll shows half of the respondents say they are worse off financially than a year ago. It's clear that there's still a long way to go in the effort to bring down costs. I look forward to hearing you reaffirm your commitment to that work today. Republicans also want to hear from you regarding some concerning developments at the federal reserve on the regulatory front recently the federal reserve's vice chair for supervision announced a quote-unquote holistic review of bank capital in the fed's regulatory regime however it seems that only a small group within the fed knows what this means uh, what it entails how much review is uh, is being vetted by the full board and the the type of quantitative analysis the fed is performing the Fed shouldn't operate in okay, the shadows. It seems to me
0: like today is going to be very different. So today is not a regulation. Like I think quite- he spoke about monetary policy yesterday. And I think today is going to be very different. So I don't think we should stay on and listen to it. I think it could get very boring. In fact, it's, I'm already very bored of it. So I think what we'll do is we'll stay live on Twitter Spaces. So if you're not on Twitter Spaces, go to my Twitter. There is a pinned tweet with our Twitter Spaces. We'll stay live on Twitter Spaces for a while. Not too long because we have some other stuff to do. But um, uh, yeah, let's do that. So for those of you on YouTube, you're welcome to join our Twitter spaces. Go to my Twitter. Otherwise, I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, have fun and trade well, my friends. (laughs) All right, I've got uh, Simon with me. Simon, how's it, man?
2: Hey, Rand. What an unbelievable amount of content
0: a lot a lot of content we do that every day we do that every day five times a day simon five times a day
2: yeah i mean all of those topics are hugely relevant so where the hell do we start
0: well let's start let's talk about the government moving around some of the silk road uh bitcoin because i think the you know you got the government the us government is the third largest holder of bitcoin in the world today uh surprisingly in fact let me give you some more very cool statistics so the biggest holder of Bitcoin, obviously, is Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. They've got $27 billion worth of Bitcoin, more or less. So these are all you know, uh, Then you've got MicroStrategy with about $5 billion worth of Bitcoin. And then you've got the U.S. government with $4 billion worth of Bitcoin. And then after that, you've got Ukraine, of all places. It has about $2 billion worth of Bitcoin. So yesterday, we saw the U.S. government moving about 40,000 of those Bitcoin. 10,000 of those landed up on Coinbase and 30 of them were a um, were just a, um, a move from one wallet to another wallet. Very keen to hear your thoughts. Why do you think the US government is selling $200 million worth of Bitcoin?
2: Yeah, so um, it's very suspicious. Um, so I do subscribe to some of the conspiracy theories around timing um, because the... You know these bitcoins have been around for quite some time. They auctioned a bunch of them off to Draper, if I remember correctly. Uh The auction won at about six hundred dollars. I can't quite, if memory serves me well, it was six hundred dollars uh, when they did the the original Silk Road auction. Um, but to move those to Coinbase now, there are some other you know cases. Obviously, I'm a shareholder in Bitfinex, and it's publicly known that. The DOJ is looking to settle with Bitfinex at some stage, um, and they also uh, found the hacked bitcoins, the hundred the hundred thousand uh, bitcoins. So it just so happens that at the same time, and those it, that relates to all the the Chapter Eleven cases as well, because that was a, a case that stayed out of Chapter Eleven, and we restructured um, in the private market through a free market solution. Um, and uh, you know those bitcoins are going to uh the doj kind of is is holding them at the same time as settling which is a classic conflict um but then you've got the silk road bitcoins now why those are not auctioned off uh because now is is an ideal time to auction i'm sure you'd have a lot of um uh that will want to engage in an auction and so if those actually hit the market on the coinbase exchange you know that's kind, that's kind of like what um the the japanese trustee Um, They 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 sold a bunch of Bitcoin on the market rather than doing it OTC or through auction, Um, and that had a big a big impact on price when they started doing that many years back. Uh, So why they would why they would choose that over an OTC um, can only be malicious, really. So let's see if it hits the exchange and whether that leads to suppression.
0: The amount of Bitcoin that they're selling is a very small amount. They're selling. 10,000 Bitcoin, that's $200 million worth of Bitcoin at today's prices. They're, they're selling exactly $200 million worth of Bitcoin. I think it's neither here nor there. I think when I read the story this morning and I read that they moved 40,000 Bitcoin, then I was like, hold on, why is the US government selling a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin? But it's actually not a billion dollars. It's actually $200 million. Um, but it does show that the US government actually you know, does have a lot of Bitcoin and they can actually affect the markets. If they decided to sell, they would sell. I also assume though that the Bitcoin that the U.S. government holds are not all held in the same kitty. So it's not all in the same bucket. Some of it may be Silk Road. Some of it may be related to other, other seizures that they have done in the past. So I don't think it's one body that decides whether or not it should sell. It's probably multiple bodies, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure the DOJ has been picking it up case after case, just like the, the SEC is picking up dollars from crypto companies at the moment. At the end of the day, all of these end up in, you know, that there is a price for the proceeds of crime in the U.S. Um, and uh, DOJ happened, you know, has been accumulating a lot of these Bitcoins over time uh, through confiscation. In in other countries, um, we call that corruption. Uh, in the U.S., we call that the law.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bill Barhart, I see in the audience. I've sent you a speaker invite to your um to your uh, Twitter inbox. I see Scott Malker, Wolf of All Streets, has joined us. Amazing. Uh, Kobisi, letter, TKL, joined us again. I see we've got uh, Foss. Greg Foss uh, joined us, is on with us. Simon's on with us. Andrew, I'm glad to have you here today because you're usually the one who's bashing DCG and bashing Grayscale. And yesterday, I mean, I, th- I think you were quite a complimentary, eh? if I were to, to to go as far as that, about how their, their, their case was going. So I think we can have a, a great discussion here. Scott, you hosted an amazing Spaces yesterday. I, I, I loved it uh, around all the regulation and, and and where we are with the SEC. So it's, I think, great to have you guys here. It's pretty much an open discussion. We were trying something new. We're trying to broadcast the show on Spaces. And at the same time, um, and, and then just jump onto Spaces. We'll see if it works. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll open up the floor to you guys. Andrew, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about SEC and what do you think about the Grayscale argument yesterday and how yeah. they're doing the market seems to like it.
4: <clears throat> yeah, the the uh so it's funny that um you know people see me as somebody that bashes bashes DCG and and Genesis. I, I, I you know that may be true but I guess in a lot of ways that's kinda like you know sitting ringside and watching DCG and, and Genesis punch themselves in the face. Um and then just mentioning that they're punching themselves in the face. Uh, but the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is, is that um, you know, probably a week ago, and I and I pulled this up again, I guess, on my Twitter feed. You know, I mentioned that there's been some real, you know, pretty significant legal minds that I've had conversations with that said, listen, you know, the brief associated with their appeal um, at the D.C. Circuit Court is remarkably strong. There's a really good chance that they win, and I and I and I posted that a week ago, and you know, I had people that think they're, you know, seemingly important and intelligent um get into my DMs and saying, "Sir, you should give this some more consideration before posting it." And, you know, what are your sources?" And yada yada yada. Um, and 99.9% of the time I just I don't respond to any of that stuff. But, you know, it kind of proved itself out, right? That um law is the law. And even foundationally when you you know, there, there's a lot of smart people in the crypto space, uh, and principally because crypto, since kind of its genesis, bring together um, people in engineering, people in tech and, and people in finance. Right. There's there's a there's a lot of big brains in those spaces. And so when looking at the, the brief itself and looking at the different arguments that were to come to bear yesterday, it was it was somewhat predictable um, and the judges, the, the panel of judges, the, the panel of three were onto it almost immediately um, in that how can you uh, make the claim that spot Bitcoin uh, is somehow uh, more a subject to, to fraud and manipulation when, you know, a derivative of Bitcoin, you know, in an ETF is, is, is not. It simply doesn't make any sense. And in fact, the data shows that 99.9% of the movement in either follows the other uh, almost identically. Um, and so that that being the crux of their argument and then the legal structure underneath all of that um, was fairly predictable. What's more interesting about GBTC going forward and, uh, you know, grayscale going forward is what are the what are the potential unintended consequences and outcomes of a victory, you know, at the the appellate level? Yeah, that, at the appellate level is... for this. Yeah, that's that's the real interesting part here because, um, you know, the the questions asked by one of the judges was, okay, so you know, SEC, if if you were to assume that you know, grayscale is Um, successful here based based on the arguments that you've made uh, SEC counselor would you then be forced to go back and either one approve a spot Bitcoin ETF or based on the arguments would you be forced to go back and unapprove a futures based uh, product and frankly um, the legal response from the SEC's lawyer was you know like something off of a little bit of a, a comedy gif where you know the the movie Liar Liar where Jim the the reporter Steve Carell just starts yelling gibberish right um, because it's been put on the the, the screen for him to read. Um, so it's the the outcomes here are are very very interesting. It's it's all very very fluid. It's not going to happen for another let's call it two to six months in terms of a you know some sort of. A decision and then you know what are the outcomes of that so and then so beyond i mean that, i'm, I'm I, yeah go ahead what are the outcomes associated with you know genesis bankruptcy the downstream as it relates to dcg because the truth of the matter is is genesis bankruptcy all the connect connective tissue associated with the numbers
0: I don't know if I'm the only one losing Andrew.
2: No, we lost him as well. Yeah, we lost him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Look, I I see Scott's here. Scott, I see your hands up. We're not polite people here. We're quite rude. So you can just uh, feel free to jump into conversation whenever you want. I must say. Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, go ahead, ahead, Scotty.
10: Well, I was just going to sort of uh, respond to what he was saying, because I think he's correct. And there's a lot of sort of confusion as to what's likely to happen here, even if Grayscale wins. Interestingly, first of all, you should know that I'm just generally here to see the SEC dunked on. And that's been happening consistently with judges in both the Voyager case and this Grayscale case. So at the very least, it's nice to see some pushback from the legal system to tell the SEC that they don't just have a mandate to do whatever they want and say whatever they want. It actually has to be compliant with the law. But I think it's very interesting. Bloomberg Intelligence, uh, uh, this is directly from their their terminal they said that before yesterday, there was a 60 percent chance uh, that the SEC was going to win. And that flipped even in the first day of arguments to a 70 percent chance that Grayscale was going to win. So to, to what Andrew was saying, that 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 begs the question, then what does it mean if, if Grayscale wins? I think there's a lot of people, including Grayscale, uh, who are pushing for the narrative. I, I talked to Michael Sonnenschein last week. He basically said, you know, we win. Uh, the judge overturns the SEC's rejection of our ETF. We get an ETF. Uh, billions of dollars flow into the crypto space. It's waiting on the sidelines. We unlock $5.5 in value for GPTC. I would say not so fast, right? Uh, I think it's very clear. First of all, the ruling at the end, even if Grayscale wins, the the, the language of the ruling will be extremely important because the ruling could say, and I think that this is actually Bloomberg thinks the most likely outcome, the ruling could say you cannot reject the ETF on the grounds that you have presented, but you can still reject it on other grounds, giving them the opportunity to do so. Also, because of all the issues here, listen, I, I know Grayscale is not extric- is not necessarily attached to Genesis. We can argue uh, what, what that relationship is all day, but I would say that there's enough, um, questions around dcg at the moment that even in the best case scenario where this is rejected where this is where they win the case we could easily see either somebody and this is straight from steve mcclurg at valkyrie uh, on my spaces yesterday we could easily see somebody jump the line and be the first to get that spot etf approval uh, ahead of grayscale so it not doesn't necessarily mean that gbtc gets their etf approval either but most likely, we still don't see an ETF approval, even if Grayscale wins under this regime. And I think
0: that's. I'm going to argue. Clear. I'm going to argue that as crypto lovers, crypto holders, crypto everything, I'm going to argue that our best case scenario is that we don't want Grayscale to be converted into an ETF, and we actually want a new Bitcoin ETF. And the, the argument for me is very simple: inside the Grayscale. GBTC trust is six hundred thousand plus Bitcoin, which are sitting there. As soon as you make that an ETF, two things happen. The first thing is that the discount disappears, and so those who are underwater now by X are become automatically underwater by X less forty percent. So they make forty percent, almost double their money. And the second thing is their illiquid Bitcoin become liquid. So you're almost saying, hey, what if I gave you double your money? If you bought GBDC shares, I basically doubled the value of the GBDC shares. And at the same time, you can now redeem them and you can sell them on the open market because that is, um, that is what, what effectively happens when they, if, if all of a sudden it becomes an ETF. And so you've got this situation where the way I look at it, you know, I really wish Grayscale the best. But for me, the best case scenario is that we don't get a Grayscale Bitcoin ETF and we get a different ETF.
10: I tend to agree. In, in that case, I mean, would you look for GBTC to slowly wind down after that happened? Well, yeah. this I relates
2: mean, also to the, to the Chapter 11s, because FTX is suing um, in order to uh, get a redemption of GBTC so they can get the discount. Because the, the FTX's biggest asset is obviously the billion-dollar mining operation they invested in. Um, But also they're trying to get redemption of the GBTC, um, the Bitcoin out. Um, But then also that's in direct conflict with the Gemini Earn Chapter 11 because the Gemini Earn Chapter 11 have renegotiated uh, the promissory note. And that would then convert if that if that they've, they've reached an agreement whereby that would be repaid over time based upon the income. From GBTC, so if that significantly Correct. reduces to an ETF, then their recovery, and also that's backed by a conversion into digital currency group stock. Um, if they can't make good on that, so we've now got these, um, and also obviously then you've got, of course, the GBTC shareholders um, that would would they they just want any mechanism to get it back to par. So the ETF would be great for them, but also redemption would be great for them so you've got all these um inter chapter 11 wars that uh where everyone's going to be working against each other so this is this is there's going to be lots of objections and all sorts of stuff from just vested interest in the chapter 11s uh, this is also the reason why
4: anybody that that is a creditor of of genesis of gemini earn um you know there when the the plan was initially announced it it, it had all kinds of uh, feel good stuff in it, you know, associated with let's call it an eighty percent return of capital. One, that number may never happen. Two, even if it does, we're talking about years, not months. Think about the last, you know, just four minutes of conversation of associated connective tissue with GVTc, Grayscale, DCG, Genesis, Gemini. The and 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 remember. One day after, uh, you know, Genesis declared bankruptcy, I believe it was Cameron went on a, you know, sent out a couple tweets where he was just flat out pissed that it ended up in bankruptcy. Well, th- this is the reason why, right? Like we, we all know how much did, did, uh, John Ray make off of FTX like in the last, you know, couple months or something, it's millions of dollars. So the money is going to be made by lawyers for the next two years People 38 are million when, in January. Yeah. In just in January. Think about that number. Thirty eight million dollars in just one month. Go take a minute and watch the the, the Netflix uh, documentary that came out a couple months ago. A, another documentary about the, the, the Madoff scandal. Right. And at some point in that documentary, it tells you how much money was made. Uh, by the uh, lawyer and the firm that handled that process and how long it took and the ways by which they went about getting the money for people. They went back to people that pulled money out in a quote-unquote lawful way before everything broke down and clawed back even that money to send to people that got caught in the quote-unquote bankruptcy, right? So there's, there's no quick fix to any of this. It's all interconnected. It's all going to take a lot of time to play out, um, and it's you know it's terrible for the people that caught got caught as creditors. I feel the absolute worst for Gemini Earn folks that have you know twenty five, thirty, fifty thousand dollars, and it's meaningful money to their life, right? Um, okay. It's the reason why Cameron was so pissed when they went into to, to bankruptcy because he knew that this was going to be an, a very elongated process and a process by which. A guy like Barry is really, really good at, at doing it and handling it. Like, you know, is anybody on this space is interested in in buying some DCG equity currently? Probably not. Right. But there's provisions inside of their plan where DCG has to go public in the next 18 to 20 months to meet that 80% threshold. That's, that's absurd, right? That that's, that's absurd. Um, so It's an interesting, uh, you know, from an outsider looking in, the tangled web that's been weaved here is um, to be, I guess, positive about it is interesting. To be not so positive about it is is troublesome. Um, So, yeah. Yeah,
10: Andrew, I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, clawbacks uh, in a bit. But I I see, Mm -hmm. obviously, Greg Greg Foss is here. And I don't want to get off of the uh, GBTC and the idea of the Bitcoin ETF quite yet because uh, he's the only one on this stage who's actually gotten one approved, right? And effectively sued in Canada yep. to do that. So for anyone who doesn't know, that is the case. So Greg, I-, I would love your thoughts, I guess, on what you've seen in this first day and what you think is possible uh, for the chances of a spot ETF in the US. You, got, you guys did it up there.
4: Well, first of
13: all, um, thanks for having me, Ron um, and Scott, good to talk to you again. Um, Yeah, so just for color, um, in Canada, we were uh, uh, applied for a closed end uh, Bitcoin fund to begin with, and that was rejected by the Ontario Securities Commission. So we decided to take the Ontario Securities Commission to court. And on yesterday's um, conversation with you, Scott, uh, people talked about regulation versus taking uh, the regulators to court and we won and it wasn't an easy process, but the gentleman that was responsible for that as a young man or younger man than me, but I'm 60 uh, is a guy by the name of uh, the CIO uh, was Sean Cumbie and he was just uh, uh, absolutely fully prepared uh, with all the research that basically involved um, proving that Bitcoin uh, spot prices, uh, he said, are, you know, were the concerns, address the concerns that Bitcoin spot prices are manipulated. So let's pick that up on today's. Uh, uh, and, and they overcame that argument and the closed NBT uh, ETF was approved and that led and, and paved the road for a spot ETF in Canada, of which there are now more than five spot Bitcoin ETFs. OK, so that was the victory. Um, Can I ask, did, today, the re- did the yes.
2: regulator have to pay your costs? Uh,
13: you know what, I don't remember, but they weren't uh, meaningful in the context of the victory because the fund, uh, you know. Uh, but you know what, Simon, uh, per- perhaps <laughs> I, I was a shareholder and I was key. I was a key capital uh, int- cap intro, but I was not involved in the day-to-day operations of the fund uh, or the the management platform. But let's talk about what happened today in the, the excellent. Uh, 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 observation that futures uh, futures prices and uh, spot Bitcoin uh, prices move and are correlated 99%. Well, one of the reasons, obviously, that the U.S. approved a, uh, a futures ETF is because they can regulate the CME, but everyone forgets the shape of the futures curve in contango or uh, a normal shaped uh, upward sloping futures curve leads to bleed in any Fund that prices and rolls futures, Um, and it's very profitable for the exchanges, the uh, CME. But it's very painful for the uh, holders of a futures-based ETF. So you know, you talk about the intermediaries making money on a uh, on a spot on a uh, futures-based. Sorry, and so anyway, all of this is true. Um, I would just say this. I'm a fiat a minimalist, okay? And therefore, I focus on Bitcoin as the only solution to this fiat Ponzi that exists out there. Uh, the reach for yield. Someone brought up Genesis and uh, the poor people that have 50000 in a yield fund at Genesis. Again, the reach for yield is a fiat disease, okay? A lot of this stuff is all part of the fiat Ponzi and the debt spiral that the uh, fiat Ponzi's in. So I don't want to get too off track I believe that GBTC trading at a 40% discount. I, I'm a math guy, uh, Ran. I don't want to uh, po- po- point you out. But no, it doesn't go up 100%. It goes up 40%. When something falls by 50%, it needs to go back up 100% in order to uh, make, reach its uh, its power. Well, but right but, – No, okay, so sorry, I think – I
0: I, 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 just to correct you there. So right now there's – well, there was yesterday 47.5% <laughs> discount. Obviously now that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, and that for that, if you're buying something at a forty-seven and a half percent discount, you're buying at about 52% of the price for that to go to a hundred back to a hundred, you're getting an 80 or 90% increase. Uh,
13: my math is different, but we can talk about that offline. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that offline. It's about a, you know, yeah. there's about a $5 per share discount to the $13, uh, uh, uh okay. place of GBTC right now, but let's not talk math. I'm an engineer. You guys brought up engineers and finance guys. I traded junk debt for my entire life. So let's. let's can focus I did on um,
0: uh, Greg? Can I just interrupt you for two seconds? Because there's yeah. an interview happening with uh, Michael Son and Sean quickly on CNBC, and I think we can stream it. So let me try and get it, here and we can carry on afterwards. Let me just try and get it onto the stream yet.
7: it argues that if you had reduced your fees and stopped, and, and it was to say that that you weren't even allowed that it violated the trust agreement. Uh, with ftx and uh, the, the ftx debtor shares would be worth 90 percent more than the current value if if you hadn't violated the provisions of the trust our, our
6: fees have been consistent throughout time right and so these are these are you know things that are disclosed to it's every investor high for
14: people who can't get there like whose money is just sitting there that's why it still trades at a 42 percent discount in that asset value that's a one month low it's down from 47 percent, but that is a shocking number and the idea that you guys keep charging fees for that. I know you say your legal fees are high, high, and the only reason you've made these arguments is because the lawyers are so good, you're paying top dollar for them. But you've got to be kidding me. How do you explain that and argue that away?
6: Well, so I think last time I was here, we talked about fees as well. I said it then. I'll say it again today. I am. We are committed to lowering our fees when GBTC converts to an ETF.
14: Yeah, but that's like waiting for Godot at this point. Those people are still sitting there losing the money.
6: The fees have been consistent throughout time. Consistently high. Well, I for think that you have to remember that the constructs that surround operating a vehicle like this is different than that of why an equity-based product.
14: That's what I don't get. This is I, I appreciate you're coming on and talking about this, sure. but the, the fee structure is a crazy situation for investors who got in with you and believed you from the beginning.
6: Believed that they were getting exposure to Bitcoin through a regulated wrapper, that went to the SEC, registered, became an SEC reporting and company. At a forty-two
14: percent discount to net asset value.
6: Well, for a lot of investors, that's actually presented them with an interesting opportunity, right? <laughs> if GBTC converts to an ETF, they'll have the ability to actually see that arbitrage.
14: It's
6: still a 42% discount. I do think the reaction we're seeing in the market from investors was positive based on yesterday's oral arguments. We're getting feedback yesterday. from service providers and folks that the oral arguments were well-received, and we're hopeful that you know, those arguments will but- be persuasive to the court.
0: Oh, So basically CNBC was grilling him uh, around the fees and the fact that these people are locked up in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, and they, they're charging huge fees. I mean, they're charging, I think... Is the am I correct in saying that the grayscale fee structure is two percent plus all the expenses?
4: First of all, listen. First of all, who are the PR idiots that keep sending this guy onto shows? Right. I mean, <laughs> if the What Bitcoin Did podcast wasn't enough of a disaster for these guys, what I mean, it, it's either absolute. You know, I guess arrogance or just stupidity you know i apologize for you know getting so rough here but good
13: his his one response just has to be it's the market that sets the price you knuckleheads Correct. okay right. at one right. point this traded at a premium of a hundred percent you know this is so ridiculous and even becky quick i'm assuming that's who it was should yep. understand that they don't set the price of this it has nothing to do with the fees listen it's supply and demand oh my god but these
4: that's people the are... point they keep going out there and not no, but- making those points they keep going out there and not mm. not making those points is the reality it's a mm. uh, it, it, the the current media landscape for you know bitcoin crypto is is not a spot where you want to lean and shove your face into it right now right you just it, it it it's not a it's not the right spot to be to be doing it and especially When you're the, you know, I guess the crown jewel of an organization that's under investigation and is going through bankruptcy. Is this, is, it's not, it's not smart to be, to be doing that. So, you know,
13: let's, 100% agree, Andrew. 100%. The market sets the price. The creation redemption function in in an ETF is markedly different than a closed end fund where the market sets the price of the fund. Why wasn't he on TV when? The fund was trading at 100% premium to net asset value, saying, people, don't you understand how closed-end funds work? You could buy Bitcoin spot at half the price you're paying to own my fund. My God, people are stupid. I love the USA, but please understand how mathematics work in markets. And my God, if you're that stupid, you shouldn't be managing your own money. Give it to a professional. Right, guys? Thanks. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: No, you're yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think the argu- I th- I think Becky's argument was a bit different. I think Becky's argument was, you know, right now the, the the fund doesn't let you redeem for physical Bitcoin. It lets you sell on the open market. On the open market, there's no real demand for your shares because of exactly the point that the fund doesn't let you redeem for physical Bitcoin. Yet at the same time, you're charging people a management fee. So people are almost stuck inside your fund because they can't get the Bitcoin out. And at the same time, they are paying a 2% management fee. So it's caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm interested to understand in, in Canada, what is the manage, what is the cost structure of a, an ETF, a Bitcoin ETF? Um, v- six, and I'm trying six, to compare it 60, to yeah, Grayscale. 60,
13: yeah, 60 basis points, okay, uh, versus our closed-end fund that we launched was a 2% management fee as well. There are, there are lots of uh, expenses in a closed-end fund, but I need to stress, right, an ETF is much more efficient as well as the fee structure is lower, but it's not zero. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that the fee structure on SPY is like 19 basis points. Well, look, I promise you it's a lot more difficult to manage a Bitcoin ETF than it is SPY. So three times the fee structure on, a, uh, on, a, on an ETF for, uh, at versus SPY, yeah, that's probably correct. And at the end of the day, people, if you're worrying about basis points 60 basis points and something that has the volatility and the asymmetric upside of bitcoin you're just a knucklehead you're picking up nickels in front of a steamroller you're probably the 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 clowns that are like, that that don't understand the beautiful asymmetry (laughs) of the trade. And it's just, my God, I'm Canadian, guys, but I went to school in the USA and I have enormous respect for people that have a brain. But how come so many people lost their brains on Wall Street? It used to be a place where
4: people. It's finance and wealth management 101 and and PR 101 as well. Nobody gives a shit about your fees when you're making them money. Nobody. 100%. Zero. The minute that you're not making them money. Everybody cares about fees. In other words, stay off of TV, stay off of podcasts. You know, if you're not going to be on those podcasts and TV, when you're up, you know, when the, when the, you know, the, the number to NAV is a hundred percent to the upside. Okay. You should be on TV then. but if you're not, then don't do it when you're at the lows, it's I, it's it's mind-boggling, honestly. But I, uh, Andrew, that, just
10: I I don't disagree, but I think it's important that I mean they're on a roadshow right now because of their court case, having nothing to do necessarily <laughs> with the price of GBTC or the discount to NAV. So I can see why they want to go out there and put somebody, I won't say that he's been the right person, on a roadshow to, to sort of uh, as a PR campaign for the importance of conversion to an ETF and why that's better. But then his answer to all those questions would simply be, we created this product, you know, nine, 10 years ago. It's the only way we've been able to do it. We want a conversion to an ETF. We want a conversion to an ETF. And he should just keep screaming, this would be solved by an ETF. Our fees would go away. We know that we would make less money. We're doing this because I, I, this is what they should be saying. I'm not saying it's the, the truth. We should be. We're, we're doing this for the community. We want a more investable product. We want a safe product that tracks spot. And this is it. And there's no reason for you to reject it. He should just be basically beating the drum on the narrative of their court case and deflecting. I mean, everybody so knows I'll, uh, I'll, if anybody's I'll, ever I'll watched politics, this. you deflect. Yeah.
4: So I'll say this, and, and then I'll, and I'll then I'll ease up on it. There, there's two better ways to go about that, right? First. Don't make a cascade of terrible decisions that puts you in a position to have to go on a roadshow. That's one. Two, uh, much better to say those things via press release than on a podcast, on a, a TV show where you can you can have yourself made to look a fool um so
0: can listen. i can i can i just can i just maybe bring up a, a something and maybe it's not the, the most comfortable thing to talk about but we have had michael Sunshine um in the press quite a lot scott i know you interviewed him mm-hmm. uh, peter McCormack mm-hmm. did a great job in destroying him on a on on one of peter McCormack's podcasts i must say it was a very entertaining podcast if you haven't watched that podcast Go and watch it. It's it's really really good. Because um, Peter Peter is an unfiltered guy, and in his unfilteredness, Peter destroyed um, Peter destroyed uh, Michael Sonnenschein. Do you think that maybe Michael Sunshine was a great CEO of GBTC when Barry Silbert was actually pulling all the strings? And you know, if you if you think about the history of Michael Sunshine. Michael Sonnenschein has been at Grayscale and DCG for a long time. I think that they had a, that someone left, the CEO of Grayscale left. I don't remember exactly the whole story. And Michael Sonnenschein took the reins as CEO. And I always got the impression that Michael Sonnenschein was being, was a puppet for Barry Silbert, which was great when Barry Silbert wasn't distracted in a potential liquidation and, and, and a, um, uh, uh, kind of court cases and and restructuring and Chapter 11s and stuff like that. But now you've got Michael Sonnenschein potentially leading the biggest court case that crypto had to fight. You know, he's he's a CEO of the company that is fighting probably the biggest court case against the SEC that crypto has ever had to fight. Is he the right guy? I mean, we've seen him on on interviews. Is he the right guy?
4: Mm, uh. I'll that's say it's uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, and no. Um, it's it's uh I I would agree and and all due respect, you know the, 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 those guys have done a lot of work in crypto that's that's should be respected and and you know whether or not you agree philosophically with you know different parts of crypto yada 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 is irrelevant. They 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 built some things and they've acquired some things and all that stuff work and smarts and wisdom uh, but we're here today and, and as to your question today you know the answer is an absolute no it's it's uh it, the last couple weeks of as as you know scott put it the roadshow has been let's just say suboptimal
0: yeah uh, not i do here. see we've
9: it. got we've got james here james is one of eric poltunas's um partners uh, colleagues at Bloomberg Intelligence. I think he covers more the crypto side. James, thanks for joining us. He's also quite keen to share some thoughts. Yeah. So I mean, I...
0: Uh, you guys, you, you guys have done amazing coverage. I must say, amazing, amazing coverage of of uh, the the court case, the hearings yesterday. Yeah. T- tell us, tell us what else you're seeing.
3: Yeah. So I mean, it, it gets it gets complicated, right? So going into this, we did not think a lot of people would argue. And you, I'm sure, I'm sure people listening in on the spaces know there were people out there saying, "Oh, this is this lawsuit by Grayscale is just a frivolous lawsuit. They just need to close up shop and go home and all this other stuff." And like, what people didn't realize is the law firm that Grayscale hired is a really high powered law firm. Like these guys are not going to bring a lawsuit in federal court and get like laughed out of the room. So like, one of the things I kept pushing for the last year is like, this is not frivolous. Like this is they have a legit shot. So going into this, our um, I, I'm, I cover the asset management side. I cover the overlap between traditional finance and crypto in the fund space. And we have a litigation analyst on my team. And he, he basically said, reading through everything that a lot of people on this have probably read, that he gave Grayscale, I don't know, 40% chance, likely closer to 30 than 50 going into this. And after yesterday, I was on the phone with him. We were constantly talking. He upped his odds up to 70% that Grayscale is going to win. Now, like what that win means is likely being overblown by some in the media. Um, there's the possibility that they win and then GBTC is just able to convert to an ETF um, after the win, right? But that's not necessarily likely. What's what's going to happen, what li- we think is going to happen in this case is the uh, it's a th- it's a panel of three judges, and one judge is a Republican, and we thought going in that she, this person, this woman, was likely going to side with Grayscale. The other two judges are Democrats, and we saw them as much more of a long shot. Now, one of them um, seemed definitely to lean more towards Grayscale's side, and the third even was somebody who we thought had no shot of leaving or was definitely going to side with the SEC. Based on some of his questioning, seemed like he was more open that Grayscale might be in the right here. But what happens after this is the big thing, the nuance of what the ruling actually says, right? The ruling, even if Grayscale wins, the ruling is likely to be that what the judges will do is they'll vacate the SEC's disapproval order for GBTC's conversion. So basically, they'll say the language wasn't good enough. You didn't differentiate enough from the approval of Tucrium's ETF or these other futures ETFs. Um, So you go back to the drawing board. And the SEC could either then say, all right, we're just going to approve, which knowing Gensler, I'm not sure that's going to happen unless the, the, the courts rule that he has to do that. Um, it's more likely that they might try to deny again um, for whatever other reasons there, there are. So that's a distinct possibility that I think isn't getting enough media coverage. Like it's not guaranteed that if Grayscale wins, we automatically get an ETF.
0: Does that, but it does increase our chances of getting an ETF because it gives the SEC one less defense in blocking an ETF, right? Correct. Absolutely.
3: I mean, th- that's what this has been since 2014. I mean, back when the Winklevoss brothers, I think 2013, Bitcoin was under $100 a coin, right? They They tried to launch this. Granted, their, their case, their their uh, their attempt had no chance of it happening uh, for a number of reasons that we don't really need to get into. But over the years, there's been hundreds of applications to launch a spot Bitcoin ETF and futures ETFs. And every single step along the way, they've whittled away at um, what the SEC can use to deny these things. Right. So they've just been shopping away at the, the way the SEC can deny these products. Um, and they're they're narrowing in on it. I mean. The, pro- the thing is, it's, it's not a matter of if a Bitcoin ETF is launched, it's a matter of when. Um, and this, after those hearings yesterday, the odds of it happening within the next year or two went up dramatically, um, but I wouldn't say they're guaranteed.
0: You're saying, so you're saying it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when, but when can be 10 years from now if Gary Gensler were to have his way, right?
3: Yes, Definitely. I mean, the, the, what Gary wants is he wants oversight of the underlying spot crypto markets. I mean, he just wants to have control, and he's he's throwing his weight around. Um, the FTX scandal, um, as as much as anyone in crypto probably hates it, gave him more pow- like more uh, leeway in the things he was saying, especially with Congress. Um, so there's a lot of things that have happened that have kind of helped Gary, but. These, this case, I mean, the Ripple case has been going for years. I don't know. I'm sure people here aren't huge Ripple fans, but the, the fact that he's trying, they're, they're still at court. It's been two years. I don't even know how long, forever. There's a lot of things going on here. So we could get similar like time frame court case hearings from Ripple and this grayscale decision. Um, so the other thing that I keep seeing mis- misrepresented on Twitter is it's probably going to be three to six months before the the court gives a ruling, right? We could be waiting till the third quarter before we hear whether or not Gray won this case. Um, so uh, it's not like it's gonna it's not like the court the judges are gonna rule this week or next week.
4: No that that's okay. abso- that's absolutely correct. You're probably looking at the third quarter before you actually get a ruling on this.
10: But but James, you, you I know think what you I'm Go ahead, Rand. Sorry. Go, go, go,
0: go, 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 go.
10: go. Uh, I was just going to say, I think James brought up a really important uh, point in mentioning the Ripple case. And obviously there's a lot of polar thoughts on Ripple as a company, on XRP as an asset. And going back sort of to Michael Sonnenschein being on this roadshow, I think that everyone in the crypto industry, regardless of their thoughts about Grayscale or about Ripple, should want both of those cases to be resolved in Grayscale and Ripple's favor because it's good for the entire industry.
0: Yeah. So I, I've been following. We, we've actually had, we've, I was I covered on my show today that there are actually four cases that, that the SEC is getting punched in. One was Voyager against Binance. And I mean, they pretty so um, they try to block the Voyager the binance takeover of Voyager and I mean the judge was pretty vocal in 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 uh, why the SEC had a very very frivolous case and that that's now going you've got ripple against the SEC um, which is I mean you know I think it feels like ripples scoring a whole lot of punches and maybe that's just what we're being fed on on crypto twitter then you've got uh, this case now that that's happening i think there was a fourth one as well it just feels like if anybody does have the guts to take on the sec in court if anybody does have the money the guts the backing then sec don't really feel don't seem that good in court right the
4: the, the voyager binance case is a much much bigger deal in the short and medium term than okay. grayscale sec Uh, there it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a clear repudiation from a judicial standpoint that there is, and I've been told this, uh, some of my sources are actually at the SEC and a couple of them are folks that have worked there and no longer do. Mm -hmm. They've basically said time and time again, go to court against the SEC, Go to court against the SEC because the way that the judicial system is set up, and frankly, the mind hive associated with the judicial system is is they have a, 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 a almost bias to slap government agencies down because they feel like. Listen, there are two ways that that laws are made and kept in this country. And it's not by government agencies that didn't exist way before we exist as the judicial and and uh, legislative branches do. So, hey, you guys at the SEC, you're not supposed to be making laws. You're not supposed to be creating uh, ways that things are supposed to happen without Congress and without the um, the follow up. Um, of law by the judicial system so get out of the way if you're not going to create the rails by which this stuff is supposed to happen and that's exactly what the judge said in the the, the voyager finance case is listen we can't wait around while you guys do nothing and don't respond and you know don't seem to be interested in creating you know aggregate rules by which this all should happen so sorry you know talk to you later um, and, I, and I've been told time and time and time again, any organization that has the resources to go to court, go to court. Um, you know
0: so the yeah. difference is the difference is the difference is that like we we live in South Africa, and in South Africa, if you go to court and you win the court case, you, you typically get an immediate costs order against the other party as well. So, mm-hmm. kind of like the 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 narrative here is that if you go to court and you win, you automatically win your costs back almost all the time. In the US, from what I understand, it doesn't really work like that. So the problem is that if you go to court with the SEC and you land up spending $5 million on legal fees and you win the case, you don't get your $5 million back. And I think that that's one of the big um, disincentives to go up against the SEC. I think otherwise a lot more companies would do it. You know, you, you, you can choose to protect your runway or you can choose to pro- to protect your... Um, your uh, 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 you you can choose to protect your business, or you can fight the SEC.
3: The other thing I would add here is that, like, which also should be discussed is like, for Grayscale specifically to bring this lawsuit, it's not comp- like SEC is their regulator. Like, no matter what happens going forward, like <laughs> Grayscale still needs to report to the SEC, right? So, like, mm-hmm. imagine like like fighting like they're fighting in court against the regulator. And, like, there, there's a lot of things that, like, obviously the SEC can't do legally, but there's a lot of gray area that the SEC could do if they're mad about this to make Grayskills' life and business uh, more difficult. So, like, taking this suit uh, against them is not something – like, that's another reason why a lot of people aren't going to go to – um fight the sec in court because they'd rather if they can stay on as much of the sec's good side as possible now gensler specifically in the crypto space over the last few years has uh basically taken away any goodwill a lot of these crypto companies feel towards the sec Correct. or felt that they were doing so that's part of the reason why grayscale did what they did uh, but you th- that should not be overlooked in, in what they're doing
4: well look How at the, look the, the language look at the positioning <laughs> of the language of coinbase over the last two months right so yes. coinbase is 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 stopping just short of literally sending a tweet with a middle finger and the sec next to it right i mean they're they're stopping just short of that right they're like listen we're going to forge ahead you know the resources that we have behind us because frankly you were a party to allowing us to go public so we now have a a a a war chest that listen. If you if you want to if you want to dance, we'll dance, right? I mean, that's essentially been their position for the last two months. And so, um, yeah, the the SEC is is if they choose to take on large scale entities like that, Grayscale is one of them. From a traditional how long standpoint, they'll lose.
0: How long will Gary
4: Gensler be around for? Less than another two years. I agree. Why?
10: I mean, his term is over June twenty twenty six, but the average tenure is two years. Usually, they leave. I don't know. Maybe he'll get Janet Yellen's job. That's what he wants. But we can all that is that absolutely what he wants. That, that how is,
4: long he, he, was he J-
0: how long was Jake Layton? Government. How long was Jake Layton around for?
2: Hey, hey I'm, uh, going to, uh, uh, I'm going to um, jump off to the Celsius court hearing now. Um, but speaking of ongoing, rela- um, you know, relationships is. Um, with the, the Binance uh, Voyager case. So obviously the, the judge has approved that. Um, I think that gets everything through. Um, they wanted to distribute the VGX token in kind. And obviously they use that to state that Binance um, cannot uh, trade in that token because it's an unregistered security and they're not a registered um, security token exchange. Um, but there's, I think there's still one hurdle and I think the DOJ... Um, can still come in and object so um, whether whether that happens and the DOJ has got an axe to grind um, obviously because they would love to um, do what do to Binance what they're doing to um, you know Bitfinex and try and use that as a as a way in order to try and get some more information Mm -hmm. so that they can then negotiate their extortion from Binance as well but I'm going to jump over to the Celsius court hearing. I'd love to stay I think that's so much to talk about here.
0: I think, yeah, look, actually, I think it's a good time for us to pivot and actually start talking about um, something else. I want to talk a little bit about Powell. Um, I noticed something very interesting with Powell yesterday. When we went into the Powell hearings yesterday, the probability of a 50 basis point rate hike was 25% and the probability of a 25 basis point rate hike was 75%. He hadn't even started talking yet. And the probabilities pivoted to 60, 40 towards a 50 basis point rate hike. And now I think we're 80% towards a 50 50 basis point rate hike. What changed between yesterday and the day before? Uh, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear.
5: Yeah, I can talk to this. I follow this pretty closely. Um, You know, uh, before the testimony, they released the text. Which is even before he starts talking, the you know the outlets are under embargo. They release the text so people can automatically scan through. And the market just saw that he kind of left the door wide open for uh, fifty bips, and the market instantly repriced because it sounded like from his statement that it was kind of leaning towards the base case, because he said if the data in its totality continues to be strong, then you know they're gonna not. Uh, shy away from accelerating. Uh, Super interesting thing, Rand. So today he has his second part, his second day of his, uh, uh, you know, the same kind of uh, Q&A that he does with Congress. And today uh, there is one sentence that has changed in his statement. Um, And he said, actually, uh, we have not made any decisions. He's kind of like highlighted in the middle of like this 50 bips thing that he saw that the market reacted, as you said, like it kind of went completely the other way. And now he's putting it more towards 50-50. He said, uh, I just want to be clear, we, we haven't made a decision. We're waiting to see non-farm payrolls, uh, you know, Friday. We're waiting to see CPI. So it's a total coin toss. And I think this data is going to be the most uh, kind of market impactful data, like the, the NFP on Friday and, and the CPI are going to be huge.
0: Yeah, Friday is big and Tuesday de- is is huge. I think Tuesday is the be-all and end-all. And then a week after Tuesday is when we get the FMC meeting and then the decision is whether we're going to get a 50 basis point rate hike. I think that the implications of a 50 basis point rate hike are not great because what it shows is it shows that the Fed again made a mistake and pivoted too soon. And when I say pivoted, they pivoted from 50 basis points to 25 basis points and if they go back to 50 basis points, it's almost like admitting that we we made a mistake again and we pivoted too soon again, which is the same mistake they made with inflation when they kept saying inflation is transitory, inflation is transitory. So I think that that's, I think there's a, a, um, a reputational and a credibility implication that no one's talking about.
1: There's I mean, that uh, and that there's,
5: there's also like the uncertainty, right? Like markets hate uncertainty. So you go from what was going to be a, 75 50 25 maybe one more 25 and then we stop to like you know 50 25 oh back up to 50 and then you know who knows
1: what happens next right I, I think everyone's missing a, a key point here that that Powell has said multiple times the the, the data revisions in November and December CPI and he'd even mention um, January PPI that was revised higher Um, is I, I mean it's 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 very hard to say that I, I guess they were wrong in pivoting too early, but the data has also changed. I mean the entire market was wrong. That's why we're down over two hundred points from the high in the S P. So and, and now if you look at the futures, actually, we're um we're up to over we were up to over eighty percent. Now it's seventy six percent of a fifty bips rate hike in March. I don't even think that's the question anymore. I think that's gonna happen. I think now we're looking ahead to May. There's a twenty four percent chance of a fifty base basis point rate hike in May. So I know he said they're watching CPI, and, and and I mean I, I don't see anything that's going to happen in, in next week's data that will make them all of a sudden say no, you know what, we're you know we're not going higher for longer anymore, unless there's some huge drop in, in CPI. But even then, it becomes uh, a, a point of is it just a one-off data point, and so. I think, and Rand, I know we discussed this just a week ago. We were both saying that a 50 basis point rate hike in March was 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 going to happen, and back then it was only a 20 or 30 percent chance. Now at 80, I think after next week we'll be close to 90. And I think Powell really used this this uh, testimony to Congress to to reopen that door for a 50 basis point rate hike. I mean, if you look at what he said, um. Everything now pointed to, you know, increase the pace. We, we would be prepared to increase rate rate hikes. They want they wanted to, um, you know, if the latest economic data comes in stronger than expected, the ultimate level of rates would go higher. And now we're seeing uh, almost an 8.5 percent chance of rates going to six percent or higher um, by September. I mean, if you would have looked at these odds a month ago, there was there wasn't even an 8.5 percent chance of rates going to 5.75. So um, I I don't really see anything that's going to change that will make these odds drop considerably unless all the data somehow comes in a lot below expected, which is not something that we're expecting to happen.
13: Ran, I got to drop down. I just so having spent 35 years, uh, I call it in a risk share and people say, stop it, Foss. That's all you ever say. Bingo, bingo, bingo. So, yeah, I've had 35 years of trying to sparse the words of the Fed and we're sitting around the world trying to parse the words of a lawyer. What a clown world we live in, because even at four and a half percent overnight rate, the U.S. debt spiral is so severe that the U.S. is if it was rated as a corporation, it would be a triple C rated corporation based on its interest coverage ratios. Now, it can print money. So what is the only thing that is the outcome of all this verbal diarrhea? Fiat debasement is 100 percent certain. Okay, The U.S. is insolvent. That's fine. They can print money. When you print money to solve the debt spiral, you get debasement. You need to protect yourself against that. It doesn't matter whether it's four and a half percent overnight or six percent overnight. It is over for sovereign debt. Okay, 100 percent certain the only way they can solve that debt spiral is by printing money. And that's not just the USA. It's Canada. It's every other fiat nation in the world, and it breaks eventually. But the debt spiral is only mathematics. And right now, the, the interest expense on the U.S. Uh, debt outstanding is going to go to over $1 trillion annually, and they only bring in $4 trillion. And when you subtract out military spending and you subtract out entitlements, There is a debt spiral that is exploding right in front of your eyes, people. And you're too dumb to see it. So stop trying to predict where this idiot lawyer is taking rates. It doesn't matter. It is 100% over for fiat currency. You better protect yourself. If you're too stupid to understand grade 11 math, I don't know what else to say. Love from Canada. (laughs) Love to you all. Good day, guys.
10: Ladies and gentlemen, Greg, Greg Foss. You can see why I uh, always invite him. I, I want him to adopt me, bring me up to Canada.
0: <laughs> He's fantastic. He's fantastic. So I think fifty basis points for me is the base case now. Like, and and uh, I've, I must say, I have said it for a long time. In fact, when when fifty basis points wasn't even on the table, I said I don't see another twenty-five basis point rate hike. And uh, now, now I think it's becoming it's becoming the base case. Um, Oh, sorry I, I see someone's just joined yeah cool what else is going on in the market what else is what else is moving these markets I mean we've got the government selling 200 million dollars worth of Bitcoin potentially we've got Mount um, uh, gox we've got all these Mount um, uh, gox um, uh, Bitcoin potentially being fed into the market from from March is there anything to be happy about on the markets?
5: I mean, there's more bad news, right? Like, so, Binance is obviously going to eventually have to deal with something. Uh, it would be bullish if they just get a fine, of course. If they just get a couple billion, that would be bullish. That would be good.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like I said I said to my team this morning. I said, you know what? It feels to me like um, uh, you. It's peak fed, No one's positive. Everyone's calling the market down. In my experience, uh, um, in my experience, when that happens, are the next move is up.
10: Yep, that's exactly right. I was going to say perhaps the most bullish thing, if we want to discuss it, is that you asked that question and it was radio silent
0: Yep. Yep.
4: But, yeah, I, mean, yeah, listen, yeah.
10: I think that I think there's quite a few bullish things to be quite honest. I mean you, people thought that FTX was the end of the world in November, and it took two months to for Bitcoin to entirely retrace all the downside from that black swan that was supposed to send everything to zero and I think that that gave us sort of a clue as to how much future bad news is potentially priced in and how the people accumulating really don't care about news even when it's Sam Bateman Fried, the guy who was sitting on the floor of Congress and meeting with Gary Gensler, going down as a fraud. So, I mean, I would say that the resilience of Bitcoin over the past few months and the crypto market in general and the clear, somewhat decorrelation from other markets, I think is very encouraging if we're speaking specifically on the Bitcoin side, uh, Interestingly, I mean, I just want to go back to something Eastie said really quickly. I, I listen to any, I, I love him, and I listened to everything you said there, and this is, pre- this is the, you know, markets are predicting this percentage, and last month this percentage, and next week this percentage. At this point, it's such noise to me, and it's such a dog-and-pony show that I almost want to just stop paying attention to any of it. Nobody's ever right. The predictive markets are largely wrong. And the relative difference between if we get to 5.25 or 5.75 is really meaningless in in the long term. It's just very hard for me to listen to the nuance and digging into the data on a daily basis when the reality is another Fed governor can just make a statement tomorrow that's completely contradictory to anything we heard yesterday. And all of those numbers change dramatically.
1: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, this is that's something we've also commented on. The market has become so obsessed with literally anything the Fed says, and any headline that comes out around the Fed is is all that's moving markets right now on the equity side. So, I mean, you, you definitely have a point. The, the exact source that's that's now showing, you know, an overwhelming case of a fifty bips rate hike was saying the exact opposite two days ago. Uh, so, you have to take the data with a grain of salt. And I mean. I guess with the, with the longer term, you know, whether it's five and a half, six percent, whatever it is, 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 I guess, not as important. It's more important as to how long they hold rates higher. I think that's what, what it comes down to now. And like you said, obviously, it's, it's extremely difficult right now to predict. And, as if, you know, for traders, this is honestly a great environment. You, the, the uncertainty is, is, in a way, producing volatility um, mm-hmm. in, in equities. And if you're able to trade the technical levels and, and play that volatility, there's a lot of opportunity.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: I just think yeah. it's uh, important to, yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Raymond.
0: No, go, 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 go ahead, Scott. Go ahead.
10: I, I was just going to say that even then you talk about how long it's going to be, and I agree, but for, you know, listen, nobody here gives financial advice, but for any, you know, investor with a brain, you know that you zoom out and take a, you know, five, 10 plus year, time horizon, certainly that's the case if you're buying or selling, hopefully not, Bitcoin. And so if it takes three more months or six more months, aren't we just being largely distracted uh, by a whole lot of noise with very little signal? I mean, that's just what concerns me is the, the further we dive into these things, and I'm guilty of it too, I do it every day on my show, the more we're sort of giving credence and power to a lot of things that are just noise and not signal.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, suppo- I suppose, I suppose, I suppose I do agree with you that, you know, if you're investing, you're looking at a five, 10, three, three year uh, term, et cetera, but it's still uncomfortable now. And, uh, um, you know, I think we are going to go through a tough time now. I think, it, I think the one thing that is that in the U.S., U.S. investors don't really know about inflation. There's, they, they don't really know about inflation we know what inflation is like in places like africa and let me tell you inflation doesn't go away it's one of those things that like once it starts you get used to it for multiple years and i think in the us what the expectation is from the fed is that the fed actually puts an end to inflation in you know in the next 6 months and i think that that's where the disconnect is coming like we know what inflation is like inflation inflation lives for a long time i i don't know how else to say it i just think yeah. the the us
5: I mean, the other problem is, the reason why I kind of disagree that it doesn't matter is, you know, one of the huge moves that we were getting is in the dollar because, you know, the relative rate, like if it's 1% more in the dollar versus the euro, um, which is, you know, is is very possible now that the Fed is being more hawkish, you actually start like uh, exporting inflation to all these other countries. Like maybe the U.S. doesn't care, but like all these other countries that have like, you know, their their currencies kind of getting hammered, you know. Oil, everything else like energy, the price in their local currency. If their local currency is getting trashed, starts to be a problem. And we start having these like things that we had again, like we had, uh, you know, the, the yen going crazy. We had like the the British guilds kind of losing control. But there's a lot of uh, currency issues with just like a one percent difference in rates that can happen.
0: Yeah. So I mean, as I say, like we 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 here in Africa, we know what interest rate spirals are like. We know what inflation spirals are like. They're ugly. I mean, I remember when I took my first mortgage on my house. I think I paid 16% mortgage rate, which is huge. You know, so we like I've, I've seen it before, and it's not a it's not a great um, it's not a great place. Um, guys, look, I think I think we've we've exhausted today's stuff. I think it's been a great uh, spaces. I do want to thank you all. If you're not following all the speakers, follow all of our speakers. They're all highly procured speakers. Just take a second to just follow them. You'll probably get great alpha out of each and every single one of them. Also, I want to remind you that our spaces is sponsored. It's sponsored by NordVPN. Um, I think um for those of you who are in crypto and are surfing without a VPN, whether or not you use NordVPN is inconsequential, but you should be using a VPN. You do want to be masking your IP address. We don't know where this regulatory thing is going. We do know that even the decentralized protocols are getting orders to produce documents by the courts um, as to who their user the basis on that. And you just, you, you just don't want to be on, on the other side of that. So for us, we use NordVPN, our partner VPN. If you click on the link in the pinned tweet, um, you do get a special, I think you pay $3 a month to protect your crypto. Um, yeah so do it and at the same time you're you're supporting a vpn that supports crypto that's in the fight with us in crypto that supports our channel they support scott's channel they support a whole lot of other channels so i mean just use nordvpn um i think on that note let us uh leave it for today we will be back tomorrow on our main show um scott's also i think doing his show we'll see you all again and yeah until then if you are trading trade safely trade well and have fun my friends